because it's like sharks actually can get cancer. They can right. just fight it off. Yeah. Which is ama- which is just as amazing. Sheer willpower, I think. It defeats cancer through the power of pure awesome. Yeah. It knows it is one of the apex predators in the ocean. It just knows, and then, and then like nothing can stop it, except for shark finning, which has stopped a huge amount. Welcome to the So Far Channel, Episode Two: Sharks. My, what big teeth you have! With your hosts, Joe Quavis. There are some very colorful sharks. I don't know what you're looking at. And Nicole Dwyer. All of my my inner dialogue is written by Joss Whedon. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the SoFar channel. My name is Jose, and I'm here on behalf of SeaWorld San Diego and the University of San Diego. And I am joined, as always, by the always awesome and constantly caffeinated Nicole Dwyer from the Long Marine Laboratories, Seymour Center, Seymour Marine Discovery Center, and the University of California at Santa Cruz. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I mean, they, you know, the Seymour, Seymour Marine Discovery Center, that's, like, really hard to say I'm finding, especially if I'm not caffeinated enough. But since I'm constantly caffeinated, I'm always getting it right. That's, like, three words. Four. Four words. <laughs> Seymour Marine Discovery Center. Seymour Marine. Four words. <laughs> So, by the time you'll be hearing this, it's Shark Week, but in the time between our the long hiatus between our first and second episodes, we've had several things go on, including a failed attempt at a TED Talk episode, which you'll probably hear in the near future. Um, but there are things going on in our personal lives. This isn't the only thing we do. Uh, Nicole, you've had something exciting related to this show happen to you, so... Oh, yes, yes. I was hired as an aquarist at the Seymour Marine Discovery Center, and it's been great. It's like my first paying job, so I'm pretty stoked that it's not at McDonald's. Is there a certain type of uh, animal specifically that you care for, or is it more general? My job is just basically all of the animals that we have, and... My job is to prep food, feed, and then keep their homes clean enough to where people can see them in the exhibit hall or in our other building is where we keep them to, when they're not on display, is just keep them clean enough so whereas we can see them. It's significantly dirtier in the, in the, in the non-exhibit hall. Otherwise, people would be like, is that dead? Is that one dead? Is that one dead? No, none of them are dead. They're all alive. Yes, they're all alive. But very shy, it seems. So that's exciting. It is very exciting. I enjoy it. Feeding can be really exciting, but it also can be frustrating in the case of swell sharks, actually, which we'll be talking about later. But then you get to see feeding strategies of different animals. 
Yes, take the food from the tongues. <laughs> take it. Take it. Take it. Yeah, although some some of the if we just feed them broadcast feeding, it's called, and then they'll just come up and nibble at it or yeah. scarf it down ridiculously quickly. Or, or lead floats to the bottom and get it later. Yep. Very true. Or just ignore it and not eat for weeks on end, and then we have to feed them a sardine. Sardines are really fatty and delicious. Apparently. Alright. Nothing nearly as interesting has been happening to me. I went to Comic-Con, but that's not really relevant here. It's crowded as ever. Uh, on the 22nd, the day after, I was excited because I could actually breathe. <laughs> but besides that, nothing really. Just working and going to go back to school later. Yeah. Yeah, school. So let's talk about recent developments in the world of the ocean. Rip Covens! So there have been a couple things swimming around in the oceanographic world. Uh, the first I would talk to, I would like to talk about, is something that's pretty dear to my heart because it was really the first place I got exposed to marine biology, and that is because it relates to the Birch Aquarium. So the Birch Aquarium at Scripps is the interpretive face of the Scripps Institution of Oceanography, the leading West Coast oceanographic institution. And the Birch Aquarium has just remodeled their shark exhibit into Elasmo Beach. So that opened on July 4th, and you can meet the various Elasmo branks that make their home in La Jolla and the California coast. Yeah. So, sharks and rays, and that's related to today's topic. Which includes sharks. And maybe we'll talk about rays a little bit. We are going to be talking about a couple of species that are at Elasmo Beach, though, so that'll be exciting. Mm -hmm. And because this is also airing on Shark Week, uh, we are also very dedicated to the cause of Snuffy the Seal, whose shark predator is somewhere in the world oceans. Snuffy did not deserve to go that way, but that's what they get for dangling a stretcher seven feet above the ocean on a pier. I mean, what else were they expecting? What now? A couple of dolphins to escort it away safely? The dolphins no. would have eaten it. That's true. Dolphins are vicious. Um, what, an albatross to come down and be its emissary to the world of the ocean? Albatrosses are cursed. Yep. The rhyme of the ancient mariner made this very clear to me. <laughs> Poor Snuffy. We should have a moment of silence for Snuffy. So remember, because it's Shark Week, to show your support for Snuffy's cause, hashtag save Snuffy. Even though I suppose it's a little late for that. Hashtag yeah. save Snuffy. That's pound sign, S-A-V-E-S-N-U-F-F-Y. A little more tangentially related, 
uh, Blackfish has been making waves in the cinematic world. And, yeah, it's thought-provoking. It's sort of a limited engagement in most cities, so you're going to have to look if you want to see it, but it's definitely interesting. Yeah. It's definitely not even available in Santa Cruz, so if you are really dedicated, you can make the trip over the hill to San Jose. In my case, I may or may not be doing that because I do have uh, this wonderful job as an aquarist that takes a lot of my time. But it also gives you money. Yes, it does give me money to do things. But time. So and also that's... driving. Right. Yeah. So that's what's been happening under the waves. And let's go on to... We don't really have a quarter deck today, because instead we're going to do a very large catch of the day with three different shark species. So let's surf on over to that. Catch of the day. All right. So today, because this is our Shark Week episode, because we are joining in on the fun, we are talking about shark diversity. There are roughly 400 species of sharks in the world, and all of them are pretty much awesome. Very true. Pretty much awesome is an understatement. So there are more than 400 species of sharks in the world, but we don't nearly have enough airtime to talk about all of them. So on to the first, let's go to swell sharks. Swell, tar- swell sharks are a Pacific Ocean species. So I have seen a lot of them around here. And Nicole has seen a lot of them around Santa Cruz. Oh, yes, many, many. A swell shark. There are also common installations in public aquaria, such as the Birch Aquarium and... Do you have them at Seymour? Yes, Seymour Marine Discovery Center. We have quite a few. We have Big Mama, who is laying egg after egg after egg. I would assume that's where she gets her name. Yes. Big Mama is, in fact, a large mother. They are oviparous, so they lay egg sacs. Um, These are what are commonly known as mermaid purses. Um, They're green because they help blend into the algae, right? Yeah, they're, they are extremely well camouflaged in the kelp. And after the, the laying of the egg and the abandonment of the egg, it helps to camouflage <laughs> quite a bit with the kelp. And, and, and in fact, um, it's, a keratin, it's a keratinized structure, so it's the same stuff in your toenails and your fingernails. If you were to actually see it, it really does just look like a piece of kelp. That's made of fingernails. So fingernail kelp. Like it feels like it's a it feels like a fingernail, and it looks like kelp. Yeah, definitely. Swell sharks are aptly named for. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can guess they swell up. We're not. For... <laughs> this isn't a very creative discipline. In, no. in case that wasn't very clear al- clear already. Yeah, swell sharks, uh, they are pretty small, so their primary method of defense is swelling up. Yeah, so they'll either take a... They'll bite onto their tail and then drink a bunch of water in their secondary stomach, 
that is specifically for the water, for swelling. And they'll either become this really odd ballooned circle shark, or they will swim into some rocks, which very commonly they are around, and they will wedge themselves in there and then swell up so they can't be taken out. Their, sign, uh, their genus name is Cephalocilium. Uh, cephalo comes from the word for head. So that's pretty aptly named. Mm-hmm. Uh, the specific name is Cephalocilium ventrosum, ventriosum. And ventriosum refers to the belly, which is used to help the shark suck in water. Yes, so even scientific names... Are not, not very creative. Not They're just in a different language. Yeah. It sounds more creative, but really it's not. So they're pretty cool. Yeah, oh, swell sharks are, um, are really great in the aquarium because we have a touch pool. And because they're nocturnal, they do absolutely nothing during the day. So they'll just sit there and and people will touch them. And they don't seem to mind too much. And another key feature of their being nocturnal is they have these really cool eyes that are golden. They look like gold coins, essentially. And what causes that is they have this lining in in the back of their eye called a tapetum lucidum that... Um, allows them to have to bring as much light into the eye as possible at night, which gives them awesome night vision. So they're basically well adapted to their role, as any organism should be. Exactly. They're also fairly sweet, non-confrontational animals. I mean, their main line of defense is to make themselves bigger, so they're pretty shy. Well. <laughs> yeah, they're they're very timid. So they're pretty awesome animals. Uh, they overlap with a horn shark, which is completely different. Named for the horn <laughs> on its on its he- its head region. Yeah, yeah, head region. Yeah. There are a couple of spines on its fins as well. Yep. The horn shark has a spiral-shaped egg case, which helps the egg be um, hide within crevices or get buried because it's spiral-shaped and basically drills through the water. It's a really cool-looking egg sac, if I do say so myself. It's Egg sacs are generally keratinized, um, and horn sharks are, because they have egg sacs, ov- oviparous, just like they're overlapping cousins the swell shark so let's move on to the lesser white shark so a lot of you know about the great white shark be it from jaws or some other form of media like sharknado which is another thing that i failed to mention but was at comic con for some reason uh the the lesser white shark is also known as the oceanic white tip shark and is completely unrelated to the great white shark Yeah. (laughs) Um, Again, scientists are not very creative. It's the lesser white shark because it's a white shark that isn't the great white, 
because it's smaller. And it's the oceanic white tip shark because it lives in the ocean and has white tips. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> As opposed to the two previous sharks we mentioned, which are coastal animals, these are open ocean fish. And they're a bit significantly more aggressive. I would, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, where do oceanic white tips live? The, uh, the tropics. Tropics, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Although they have... A corpse has been discovered as far north as Sweden. Sweden? Well. So I'm not really sure if something drifted up towards there or exactly what happened with that. But I think they may have been looking for some of the, the Swedish meatballs. Feeding frenzy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. In Ikea. In case you didn't but know, shark, sharks, sharks don't have hands, so they can't use the little crossbar tour tool to assemble their own furniture. Oh gosh, I know. They that shark have would have been disappointed. Once very down. no, extremely frustrated, just like anybody who goes to IKEA and has to assemble their own. Yeah, furniture. if you think it's hard to assemble IKEA furniture with that little crossbar and a hand, imagine if you had pectoral flippers used to generate lift while you're swimming instead of hands. So you would have to use your mouth instead as a grasping tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a really effective tool, but not for building furniture. The oceanic white tip pours, uh, fares poorly in captivity. Um, so if you see a white tip shark in captivity, it is almost definitely a white tip reef shark. And is the difference between these two is aggression and um, range. White tip reef sharks, I think, reside in more shallow shallow waters where reefs establish, mm-hmm. while oceanic white tips are more open ocean where there's water on all six sides of them. Right. So I'm assuming that the oceanic ones fare less well in captivity than the yeah. reef. Okay. The only oceanic white tip that's ever been kept in captivity was at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, which makes strides in keeping sharks that you wouldn't normally be able to keep, like the greater white shark. Right. Right. Although I think they have stopped that program for a moment. It's because... uh, whenever there's a rescued white shark, I believe, in okay. the Bay Area. So there isn't one presently. But perhaps in the future. Perhaps in the future, yes. So, big pro- huge props to the Birch Aquarium for keeping white sharks and lesser white sharks in captivity when most other institutions cannot. We love... It, it really just proves the strides that are made in that sort of situation. I think you said Birch Aquarium, but I think you mean Monterey Bay. I, oh. <laughs> uh, yes, Monterey Bay Aquarium, yes. Monterey Bay Aquarium actually also has a research institute. It's called MBARI. It stands for Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. 
yet again very creatively named. As scientists, we're really good at descriptions, as you can tell. I'm amazed that there hasn't been an aquatic animal with, like, a five-word name that just describes it completely. I mean, if you if you look at names of, like, hummingbirds, and then you compare them to names of any ocean animal, there's a huge difference. I think the most creative ocean animal name I've heard is Hub's Beaked Whale. Mm-hmm. And it's named because Hubs claimed he saw something similar to it 60 years before it was actually discovered. No, oh, gosh. And it's a beaked whale. And there's also Bard's Beaked Whale. Which is a similar story. Yeah. But then, okay, but then there's Flamboyant Cuttlefish. Yeah. But that's a cuttlefish that's <laughs> colorful. That's true. So it's not even creative, even though it sounds creative. It's just awesome. It is. So shall we talk about the the greater white shark? Uh, yes, the white shark, or the great white shark, is the most famous shark in the world. It lives all over the place. It's one of the ocean's apex predators, and it eats large marine mammals. Yes. Yes. They eat fish as well. And not fish. As, and not as commonly, but, I mean, blubber... Blubber is like the butter of the ocean, and why would you eat butter? Blubber is literally the butter of the ocean. Yeah, I mean, like, why would you eat just, why would you eat lettuce when you could eat butter? So they live all over the ocean. They are the apex predator of the ocean, similar to the killer whale, so they eat what they want. That being said, humans generally actually aren't included in their diets, the majority of Great white shark attacks are a result of mistaken identity because surfers look a lot like seals. It's true. They do look like fat balls of blubber on boards. Like if you've ever seen a pinniped swim and then you looked at a surfer from underneath, you would get what the great whites are sort of getting at. It looks very similar. There's four limbs and there's this pointed sort of aerodynamic body shape. It's swimming at the surface of the ocean. It's black and shiny, so... Yeah, and when you're hungry and a visual predator, if you see something relatively close to what you're looking for, you're going to go for it. And even if it's an exploratory bite, sometimes that's too much. Like Bethany Hamilton. Well, she survived. She survived, yes, but um, it did cost her a limb. That is true. But... She did look like a seal, or a sea lion. Yeah. So. She looked like a pinniped. But they are awesome, and a lot, uh, just like any other uh, oceanic predator, it's streamlined for its role in the ocean. It's shaped like a torpedo to help it swim faster. Uh, it's filled with, its jaw is filled with specialized teeth, just like any other shark, so its bottom jaw actually has slightly thinner teeth to help hold its prey in place, while its top jaw has triangular teeth which are serrated so it can cut its prey because it eats whatever it wants. Sometimes it's too big for itself. And that's pretty large if you, if you consider like how large the mouth is. Yeah, and that's actually where the thrashing behavior that 
white shark's exhibits come from because it's using its top teeth to cut its prey into manageable bites. It's like yes. watching a small child eat. <laughs> yes. It, it exactly. really is like watching a small child eat. Let's see, white sharks aren't the only ones who exhibit this thrashing behavior. The swell sharks that actually feed for my job do this, although in the wild they eat um, like things with shells. They still use this thrashing behavior as, um, even though they don't need to do it, we definitely have the proper size food. It's just some carryover from life in the wild, although most of our swallow sharks were born in captivity. Well, they still have their natural instincts. Exactly. Like, they have specially designed feeding structures, and they use those feeding structures in a special way. Which includes the thrush. Yeah. Which is really, really cute, especially in little baby ones. Shall we move on to leopard sharks? Yes. So this is where common names start getting a little confusing. If you weren't confused already between the lesser and greater white sharks, here we have leopard sharks. There are two species which are generally referred to as leopard sharks, and neither of them are remotely similar to the other. They also don't overlap at all, so if you consider geographic region, that might help when conversing with others about leopard sharks. So because we're both Californians, we're going to first talk about the California, the leopard shark that lives off the California coast. Uh, in most dive shops around, around California, you're going to see ads to snorkel with the sharks. This is the shark that's generally going to be advertised with that. And it's named because it has spots, kind of. Kind of. I would describe them more as bars. Or, um... Splotches? Splotches, Yeah. But they're kind of spotted, which mean, bleh, which inspired the scientists that came before us to give it this name. I would have probably called it like the cow right. shark or something. Mm-hmm. Although they're quite thing. thin. Cow sharks are actually a thing. Wow. No, I'm not surprised, to be honest. Yeah, they are six-scale sharks. Oh, okay. Let's see, leopard sharks... Um, tend to live in the relatively similar area to swallow sharks. Is that true? Yeah, they overlap uh, geographically with uh, swells and horns, but they are more um, kelp forest animals. They can't, They do frequent shallow coastal waters, but it's shallow coastal waters off kelp forests, if that makes sense. Yet another reason that kelp forests are extremely important. Several institutions keep them because they aren't really dangerous or difficult to keep. So, Monterey Bay Aquarium, Birch Aquarium, do you guys have them at uh, Seymour? Yep, we certainly do. Seymour Marine Discovery Center? Exactly. They're really awesome animals, and they help 
to illustrate the biodiversity present within kelp forests. So you have sea urchins, you have sea otters, you have leopard sharks, and they all perform a specialized role. Um, I think the leopard shark is a mid-level predator, right? No? Yes. Yep. Mid-level? I think so. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure there's other things that eat them. Oh, I'm sure there are. Uh, their jaws are adapted to um, eat very specialized things, um, so crabs, worms, things with shells. They're, you can actually, uh, what's u really useful for determining a shark's diet is if you look at its jaws, its teeth are going to be specialized for what it eats. So, like the the white sharks basically designed to eat larger things. Uh, the tiger shark which is sometimes but fairly uncommonly called a leopard shark as well. You sometimes eat sea turtles, and its jaw is designed to break into shelled things. Yes, they have the... The curved teeth. The curved teeth, which remind me of a cane opener. And then you have the horn shark, which has the... The plates instead of... Yeah, the kind of crushy sort of thing. Right. And so that's used to crush shells and hard things. I think rays also have hexagonal plates because they usually eat um, things they find in the sand, right? Which is yes. usually going to be something with a shell. Exactly. The, the pancake sharks live in the bottom. And by pancake shark, I mean uh, skates and or rays. So that's pretty much everything you're going to want to know about our Californian leopard shark. So let's go down to the South Pacific. Well, I suppose the African coast. India, and Australia, for the other leopard shark that's also called the zebra shark. It's pretty long. It's nocturnal. Eats mollusks, crustaceans, so it has a similar jaw structure to what the animals we mentioned before. And that actually brings me to an interesting point. Most of the sharks we have mentioned, it's been about half and half, eat shell shellfish and the like, like mollusks and crustaceans, while the other half eat fish or larger things. The common image most people think of is a, is a white shark or a bull shark, but even then, most sharks are smaller, coastal, and eat small things. It's true. I mean, like most people, when they think of a shark, they think of the, the white shark, but there's so many more. I mean, even generalizing uh, their general body structure, you can get any single shark from that general body structure, like that sleek torpedo-shaped body found in all sharks. The pectoral fins found in all sharks. Two dorsal fins found in all sharks. Gill slits yeah. found in all cartilaginous fish. At least the elasmobranchs. Mm -hmm. well, speaking of gills... Some sharks have to keep swimming in order to have um, 
water pass by their gills, but other sharks can um, just sit at the bottom and open their mouth to create something called uh, buco opercular pumping, which is just a fancy word of they just can pump water past their gills without moving. Without moving forward, they they're still moving. Well, true. Yeah. Without without <laughs> swimming. Yeah. And so that's why you don't really need to worry if you see a shark at the bottom of a tank of at at some aqua- aquarium-based institution, because that's probably one of the sharks that can exhibit that rest. They're not dead. They're just breathing without swimming. So it's actually half. It's actually sort of a myth that sharks can't stop swimming. There are species that do need to keep swimming, but there are others that can stop. They just need to keep moving water over their gills. They just have ways to compensate for that mechanically. Exactly. So sharks are just awesome. They have a lot of unique traits about them. They uh, are known for being immune to cancer, which isn't entirely true because they can catch cancer, but they can also fight it off. So a lot of research relating to cancer is done with sharks. I don't believe they found an exact reason for it yet, though. At least one, not one that's compelling. Right, so if you see any uh, nutritional supplements involving um, shark cartilage, don't buy it, A, because it's not going to work, and B, because it's now illegal to sell or trade any shark product. In California, and you have shark, not, not shark. You have cartilage in your body anyway, in your nose and in your kneecaps and in your ears. So, are you just reinforcing your nose? Did you break your nose recently, or? Not really sure where that joke was going. No, no, no. Maybe your <laughs> ear. Did you break your ear recently? Let's see. We should talk about um, dermal denticles. Yes. Uh, So sharks and rays have a specialized scale called a dermal denticle. Um, And this is arranged over most... It depends whether it's a shark or a ray. Sharks have them over most of their body, while rays only have them over specific parts. And it's structured a lot like a tooth. It has that enamel pulp... um, not an enamel pulp. It has the outer enamel layer, the inner dentine layer, and the cavity pulp, the pulp cavity, pointed towards the animal's tail. And these are the shark's scales. Um, bony fishes, generally, if they have scales, those scales grow larger as they age, so you would see rings similar to a tree. Sharks get more of these scales, these dermal denticles. Right, and the dermal denticles are advantageous because of the way they're shaped along the shark's body or the ray's body. It cuts down on almost all of the drag and friction in the water, so it allows them to swim through the water with less energy, making them really efficient. In fact, there's a field of science and engineering, I suppose, called biomimicry, which emulates designs from the natural world. Um, 
for example, this field, biomimicry, created wind turbines based on the pectoral flippers of Megaterra novangeliae, or the humpback whale, which reduces drag in a similar fashion. Uh, so that actually, biomimicry actually brought us a specialized sort of swimsuit, which was used in the Olympics and then banned for breaking several world records. Because it just did too good of a job. Exactly. So never try and race a shark. Unless you're Michael Phelps. Yeah, because you'll probably lose, unless you're Michael Phelps, wearing the swimsuit. How are we sure that Michael Phelps isn't just a terrestrial shark? I mean, if you look at his face, it's hard to tell. He probably is a terrestrial shark. He has so many medals anyway. You would think that those medals would weigh him down in the pool. Those medals are his scales. Oh, he just, like, duct tapes them onto his body, and then those are his dermal denticles. And then he has the little swimsuit with the Mm -hmm. shark scales on them. Yeah. (laughs) And with that outfit, he'll never lose. See, sharks have, um... How many senses do sharks have? Six or seven? It... Depending on it depends on your definition of a sense. Uh, true. They true. All, generally, it's generally they're considered to have six or seven. Um, it depends on if you count the ladder line as a sense because that's a pressure sensor, and it depends on if you count their ampullae of Lorenzini able to detect electrical impulse as a sense because that's kind of iffy as well. So it depends on depends on how vague or loose of a definition of sense you have, but in addition to our five senses, they can also detect pressure gradients in the water around them using a structure found on most fishes called the lateral line. Mm-hmm. And, they and then use, at, the very, yeah. at the very tip of their nose, or in the front of their face, they have the ampullae of Lorenzini, which are basically gel-filled sacs with, um, that can sense the the electricity that all of us give off. And you actually do emit electricity, for example, uh, when you move your muscles, that's powered by small bursts of electrical impulse sent from your brain and such. Right? Yes. Yes. Regardless, your muscles are powered by by electricity. True. That ATP. Pressure gradient. Electrical gradient. And it's there are some theories floating around that sharks can detect magnetic fields along the same token, but there isn't much evidence for or against it at this point. I think we need more shark researchers in order to conduct this fascinating research. Magnets, how do they work? Ask a I, shark. Exactly. We need some shark researchers. Like, not researchers of sharks, actual shark researchers. No, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sharks in the ocean that do their own research about magnets. I don't even think we'd need to pay them. Maybe in fish. Maybe in blubber. So, an ample amount of fish would be their normal stipend, and then the blubber would be their bonus upon publishing? Yeah, I would say definitely have... um, 
a bigger reward for publishing. And then if they get really good, we can give them some fame. Star in their own Shark Week special. Researching yeah. cancer and electricity mm-hmm. at the same time. Electrical cancer. So what happens if electrical impulse gets too big? Just get electrocuted. Or are you talking about... We need more power! We do need more power. As humans, we don't have enough, I think. We're going to talk about um, the sad, sad story of shark finning. Or should we stick to more fun topics? I don't know, it's Shark Week. This is our Shark Week special, so... So despite all this talk about how awesome sharks are, there are a couple of important conservation concerns that we should always keep in mind. Uh, Because of their supposedly therapeutic and healing value, like the cancer issue we talked about earlier, there's a lot of illegal trade involving shark parts going on. Yes, particularly with their fins, which is a delicacy and status symbol in um, certain cultures. In certain cultures. Uh, there's also, in fact, one of the species of shark is actually called the soup fin shark because it's it was supposedly considered uh, very tasty and palatable. Right, for the shark fin soup. And so every year millions of sharks are killed. And I mean millions. There's been estimates that up to, what is it, I think 77 million sharks are killed every year. And with, sharks have a really slow reproductive rate. And even then when a baby shark survives, it takes a really long time for it to grow to maturity. So at the rate that we're taking sharks out of the ocean, they're definitely not getting back in at the same rate. So that creates a problem where shark numbers are declining and it's really hard to get them back up to healthy levels unless we stop cold turkey. It's a little cruel and unusual as well because... What they do only take the shark's fin, and you would think that that's okay, especially because they have two and it's used for stabilization. But it's not because the shark cannot survive without that fin, and it dies slowly. Yeah. So basically, they just cut off the fins and then yeah. throw the rest of the body back in the water, which is seems like if if it's worth so much, why wouldn't they take the whole shark? But I guess it's only the fins that are that valuable. They only need the fins to make the food, I think. And, well, once it's gone, then the shark really can't swim effectively because it was sort of relying on that fin for stability. Mm -hmm. And so you've got an unstable animal which can't really swim anymore, and so it can't effectively hunt for food anymore. And then you've got, uh, there's a term, soup sandwich, which means a big mess. But the good news is that there is there have been a few places that have banned the selling and the trade and 
the um, the possession of shark fins. And in California, that bill has um, been passed in 2011 and is going into effect. And that is Bill AB 376, signed by Jerry Brown. And so I think it's a good step towards saving sharks. We just need everybody else to get on the bandwagon. Steps like this are always gradual, but it's always important to keep progressing towards that future you want to be living in. Very true. So it's definitely a very good start, and a sign that hopefully support for similar actions will arise in the future. Yeah, definitely. Especially in other countries. Because like so even if even if other states don't support it until after other countries do, California is prominent enough that other countries would be willing to support similar initiatives. Exactly, because California is the greatest country in America. <laughs> <laughs> so just remember, sharks are awesome. Uh, you really shouldn't eat a shark. You won't gain its powers if you eat it or ingest its cartilage. It kind of needs that skeleton and those fins to survive. Um, they are awesome. They don't necessarily, as a group of 400 different fishes, deserve all the flack they get from the actions of one or five species. They are all unique. They do have similar features, like those dermal denticles and their general body shape. And don't forget the ampullae of Lorenzini. Because electricity. They have electrical personalities. Um, exactly, oh, yes. So really just help take care of the world oceans, and they'll help take care of you. I don't think I could have said it better myself, Jose. Yeah, we live in an integrated system. Definitely. So love sharks, and sharks will love you. Not necessarily, but we can hope. And on that note, I guess it's time to end. So you can find me on Twitter at, at Professor Ware. Uh, you can find me on Tumblr at um, castofflines.tumblr.com. Nicole? Um, you can find me on Tumblr at nicocolikesoctopuses.tumblr.com. I'm not going to ask you to spell that this time. No. Oh, gosh. <sighs> And, you'll, uh, you'll figure it out if you want to find me. You can find the show on iTunes or on Twitter at, at SoFar Channel. That's S-O-F-A-R-C-H-A-N-N-E-L. So thanks for listening, and sh enjoy Shark Week, I guess. Yes. Take it with a grain of salt as well. Well, our we are basically a Discovery Channel knockoff, so... Yes. Yes, we are. A fun Discovery Channel knockoff, though. We're way more fun and exciting than Discovery Channel. This episode of the SoFar Channel was produced by Jose Cuevas and was hosted by Jose Cuevas and Nicole Dwyer. Narration was provided by Jose Cuevas and by Anthony Bishop. The SoFar Channel is unaffiliated with the University of San Diego, the University of California, or SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment. Thanks for listening.